1: Time for the Believe in Ole Miss Podcast with your host, Brad Logan, your home for Ole Miss Sports. To be a part of the show, email the show at Brad.logan at Logan or shoot him a DM on Twitter at Brad Logan C O T E. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. And now, from the vault, to the pavilion, to Swayze Field, it's all old Miss, all the time. Here's your host, Brad Logan.
2: And here we go, Rebel fans. Yeah, we'll take a timeout just for a moment so you can breathe. You can catch your breath. It was so funny during the game and after the game, the text messages that I was receiving. It was everything from, I can't believe we won the game, to, that was painful. And my favorite was from one of my dear friends uh, that uh, essentially said, I feel like I got run over by a truck. <laughs> what a game it was. Ole Miss was able to withstand Arkansas 52-51. to oh, We'll get into it with Michael Katz, the, uh, the beat writer for the Ole Miss Rebels. He, of course, works for the Daily Journal, the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal in Tupelo. Does a great job covering the Rebels. He'll be on site uh, – well, he's on site at every game. He'll be there for the Tennessee game. We have a great conversation. We'll have that for you in the second uh, part of the show, uh, the second segment of the show. Yeah, but uh, Michael does a great job. Be sure and follow Michael on Twitter. That's at Michael Katz K-A-T-Z, and at D Journal now. He also does a great job uh, – when he goes on the uh, Justify Your Existence podcast. That's part of the Daily Journal uh, medium that they have, and Parish, Alford, who's been uh, around the Ole Miss beat for quite a while, uh, does a great job as a host of that podcast, so check it out if you get a chance. It was, uh, boy, it was was some kind of game. Matt Corral played great. Uh, The quarterback was 14-21 for 287 yards, had two touchdowns. I think more than anything, he was probably more – Uh, more aggressive and he stood out more when he was running the football 15 carries uh, which was second on the team behind Henry Parrish Jr. He ran it for 94 yards two touchdowns but uh, on the ground it was pretty much the Snoop Conner show Snoop 12 carries 110 yards and three touchdowns it was an offensive explosion for Ole Miss you know Barry Odom really didn't have an answer for that Ole Miss offense all day Uh, both those teams uh Really going after it, uh, specifically in the second half when all of the scoring happened. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, the Ole Miss defense, which played very poorly all day long, gave a, a massive amount of yards to K.J. Jefferson. The quarterback from Sardis, Mississippi, was 25 of 35 for 326 yards, three touchdowns, did have the one interception, but didn't really matter. It ended the half, so it did not hurt them. Sanders on the ground, 17 carries, 139. Jefferson, 20 carries, 85. Uh, Trey Smith, 11 carries, 85. Four total touchdowns on the ground for the Arkansas Razorbacks, and they pretty much had their way with that DJ Durkin defense. And there are some questions that have to be answered starting this week uh, with the Ole Miss uh, facing a Tennessee team that's fresh off a win off Carolina, was winning 38 to nothing. Well, they scored some some late uh, garbage touchdowns. Missouri, 62-24, to uh, you know, played really well against Missouri. So uh, Miss, uh, Ole Miss is going to have their hands full with this Tennessee football team. I'll be honest, now the Rebels at 4-1 in the league, 1-1 one and one in the conference. It feels like that game was half a season. It felt like that game lasted forever. That Arkansas-Ole Miss game is one that when it gets crazy, and it has over the last couple of years – it feels like it favors Arkansas. And I thought that, uh, you know, I thought like the rest of you, when they lined up to go for it for two, I thought it was going to be K.J. Jefferson up the middle. They haven't stopped it all day. And it was not. They, uh, Kendall Bryles elected to roll him out. They did. And Ole Miss played the best defense it's played all year long and defended that play very well. And Ole Miss comes away with a win. And the magical season is still available. You know, Ole Miss can write their own script at this point. What happens at Tennessee? You know, we'll learn soon enough. 6 6.30. On Saturday, we'll get the uh, the Tom Hart crew, the big crew from the SEC Network, Tom Hart, Jordan Rodgers, and Cole Kubelik. So, real quickly, to kind of put a bow on the Arkansas game, at the end of the day, you can always improve your defense off a win. Um, it feels better, at least, to do it off a win versus off a loss. But the Rebels' big second quarters – 21 points in the second quarter, 21 points in the fourth quarter. Arkansas, 37 points in the second half. And uh, it's, just an, uh, it's just a situation where that Ole Miss defense just could not get off the field. It was a situation where Ole Miss scored fast, they scored often, and they had receivers running wide open. I don't know that, that, that uh, Arkansas's defense played, actually played worse than the Ole Miss defense. But you know what? At the end of the day, the Rebels uh, were able to get a fumble. Uh, They were able to convert a 50-yard field goal from Caden Costa. Arkansas had the turnover. They had the one fumble, and they were not able to convert a field goal when it mattered. Ole Miss did the little things. You know, they're doing things that they haven't done in years past. And most importantly, they won by one point. If you look up the win-loss record, it's not going to say how much you win by. It's going to say if you won or lost. So, if if there are some silver linings, it's that that offense is clicking. Ole Miss fans wanted to know why Snoop Conner wasn't getting the ball. It, I guess it took uh, Jerry Ely, who was held out because of COVID protocol, I guess it took him getting hurt before Snoop Conner got the ball, and he got it. He ran often, and he ran hard. It's a hard runner. I think Tennessee's going to line up. They're going to try to run the football. Uh, that's something they've done uh, specifically over the last couple of weeks. You know, we talked about how well they played against South Carolina and Missouri, two back-to-back SEC wins. They did lose to Florida to open up the season – 38 to 14 but at the end of the day you win two games and you score over 100 points i honestly don't care who it's against if you're able to do that you know that says a lot about your program now four and two uh obviously losses to florida and then they they lost to Pitt earlier in the earlier in the season it's been the hinden hooker show quarterback is i think more than anything what he's been able to do on the ground it has been pretty spectacular. He's played in six games. He's ran it 66 times. He's going to run it a lot. 345 yards. Had that law. Uh, had the long of 23. But he's got three touchdowns. Average three 4.3 yards uh, per carry. And throwing the football. Uh, of course, we remember Joe Milton started the year kind of dicey. Uh, threw some interceptions. Didn't throw a ton of touchdowns. And Hooker's had a big, big uh, last couple of games. 78 of 112 had the one interceptions. He's thrown 13 touchdowns for 1,063 yards. Uh, Tyson Evans, uh, Tyon Evans, I'm sorry, is going to be the guy that's going to run it mostly for the for Tennessee, along with uh, Jabari Small out of out of Memphis. Both those guys have been had the lion's share of the carry. So, Ole Miss's defense is going to be challenged once again. Uh, this game is going to be one in which Ole Miss is going into a buzzsaw once again. Hey, when when you're pretty good and you're ranked. Uh, night games are going to be big on the road, and this is going to be a big one uh, for Tennessee. They've got this one circled. Lane Kiffin's coming back. The coach that was there in the 2000s is coming back home, uh, coached that one year. And uh, they've got it circled. They're going to checkerboard the stadium. Danny White, the athletic director there at Tennessee, once served at, at UCF and, of course, served at Ole Miss in, in, in some capacity uh, a few years ago. has got this one circled. He wants to win. I mean, they, they think they can beat Ole Miss. The Rebels come in as a three-point favorite. We'll hear from Trey Wallace later on in the week. We'll get a preview of Tennessee and what we can expect. So, we're excited to hear from Trey. Uh, at the end of the day, it's uh, it's been a great show as far as the last couple of weeks and when we began this podcast. It's been a great run, and we have you to thank for that. Uh, the, the numbers have been really good, and we're thankful for you. We're thankful for you listening and downloading and subscribing and telling a friend. If you have any questions about anything, you can always shoot us an email at brad.logan at Network.com. Or you can always uh, shoot me a direct message on Twitter at Brad Logan C-O-T-E. Uh, thanks for following the show on Twitter. That's at B-L-E-A-V in Miss, And also following the Believe Podcast Network at Believe Podcast. You can be sure and uh, download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And then once again, you can stream this show at BelievePodcast.com. You can directly stream from the website. we are here from Michael Katz in just a moment after we take this time out as we preview the Tennessee Volunteers, and we put a bow on the 52-51 to win over the Arkansas Razorbacks. The Rebels now 4-1 and uh, overall here in the season, and 1-1 in the
0: conference. We'll be back right after this. It is a place which exerts an extraordinary pull on all who have walked its hallowed ground. Thousands come each year, and yet no one ever really leaves. Ole Miss is for life. A major university with the familiar intimacy of family. Friendships that are more than friendships. Moments that are more than moments. An autumn celebration on a Saturday afternoon in the Grove. Contests waged, and triumphs savored. With our largest freshman class, soaring Honors College, national reputation for academics and research, our pride is overflowing. Today, more than ever, for all who have ever called this magical place home, you never leave Ole Miss.
1: chased the Rebels hold on is there a flag down there is they're all over the field we've got players everywhere we got fireworks into the sky and there's a flag down they are setting off fireworks and it's all good on a failed two-point conversion.
2: As we welcome in Michael Katz, who covers Ole Miss for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, does great work, also is a very uh, fervent guest on the Justify Your Existence podcast alongside uh, sports columnist uh, Parrish Alford. Okay, Michael, you have been baptized in the Ole Miss-Arkansas rivalry. Is it as crazy as you thought it would be?
3: It, it's really funny because there, there were a few times I turned to Parrish, who was sitting next to me, and I said, you know, I, I had heard this was pretty weird, but like this one's this one's weirder, right? And he's like, yeah, this is kind of on, on, this is kind of on par. And then at the end, I was like, all right, Parrish, like, where's this one? Right? <laughs> so I still didn't really think he had an answer because they're yeah. always weird. Yeah. But um, yeah, man, that was you know, I, I I'm very glad that I was not on a very firm deadline and that it was an early game because I think I probably had to rewrite my story like 15 times and I don't think I would have made deadline because uh, the narrative of that story changed uh, about you know, 10 times in the last quarter. That was just something else.
2: You know, it opened up, and uh, there wasn't a ton of scoring early, and just just kind of exploded late. And you almost felt like whoever had the ball last was either going to win it at the end or or lose it at the end. Ended up being Arkansas. Ended up being an Ole Miss defense that played horrible all day long. And they played one play of defense all day, and it was on a two-point conversion play. And I'll be honest with you, Michael, you know, I don't know a ton about football. But when everybody's covered and you put pressure on the quarterback and he has to throw it away, that's a pretty good defensive stand.
3: Yeah, no, it kind of makes you wonder what was happening for the rest of the game, yeah, uh, in, in terms of that strategy, because you know, like, like you said, like there's a reason that pass fell incomplete; that it never really had a chance. It's because they were in his face and he was throwing off. You know, he was almost falling over when he threw it. Um, you know, the rest of the game, he was pretty much just standing there uh, and, and didn't really have a ton of people around him. Uh, he. Get quite a clean pocket, but you know it's it it, it it's, like it's it's the perfect ending for that game, in the crazy rivalry that in a game with no defense, the defense came through right. Like that's just yeah. it's like how it had to be.
2: You've seen uh, Matt Corral's clippings all throughout the offseason. Uh, we were at SEC Media Day. You heard what Matt Corral said this past Saturday on the, uh, the special on SEC. Uh, I'm sorry, on ESPN's Game Day. He said, What's your legacy? I say he, being the interviewer, Gene Wojcicki. He said, What's your legacy here at Ole Miss? He said it's the Arkansas game. How do you kind of, uh, I guess you could say, equate how do you think Matt Corral did this past Saturday versus, uh, you know, how he did last year with the five interceptions? He obviously had this game circled, and I think he, he kind of stepped up to the plate for sure.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was one of those games where there were a few times where he, I mean, he really kind of willed them forward. Um, you know, the, the, the run game was amazing obviously and he almost had 100 yards uh, in there as well but you know there were a few moments where you know you know third downs where he takes off and runs and he you know he he's he's he's, he's taking tough hits and that two-point conversion where he got kicked in the face and you know it's like every time Arkansas responded and Arkansas responded pretty much every time in that fourth quarter Matt had uh, something else up his sleeve and you know, when, when you look at last year's game and just how everything went wrong for him. I think he had seven total turnovers. I think it yeah. was like six interceptions and a fumble, which is – I mean that's – it really doesn't get much worse than that. And they still – you know, it was still – you know, it was only an 11-point game or 12-point game or whatever it was. Um, you know, I, I I know he he, he kind of played it – he played it down uh, for, for the most part just in terms of, you know, it, it's another game. And it's important because it's the next game on the schedule. But – I mean, Matt Corral played about it as well as you could have asked, and he delivered every time. And he, he he made some throws that really kind of, you know, I, I'm not a I'm not easily impressed, but he had a couple of jaw dropping throws where I mean he just aired out, and then it was just a thing of beauty that not many college quarterbacks are able to do. He's he had a special day, and his his special season's just continuing.
2: Yeah, and if you take a look at it, 14 of 21, 287 through the air. Uh, two touchdowns and the big zero for interceptions, uh, a big day for Matt Corral. Knock on wood, if you're an Ole Miss fan, still no interceptions this year for Corral. You noted his rushing, his 15 rushes for 94 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. One of them was all Matt Corral. He went the last three or four year, uh, yards just putting his head down and going forward. Interestingly, we'll continue with the running game. Of course, uh, Jerry Ely was not um, on the sideline, at least stressed out. He was in concussion protocol, did not play. It, uh, and you hate to use the word force, but Snoop Conner, 12 carries, 110 yards, looked like a bulldozer, three touchdowns. Henry Parrish had a big game, 18 carries, 111 yards. You hate to say it, but it almost forced the hand of Ole Miss' coaching staff, Jeff Lebby, and uh, head coach Lane Kiffin to put Snoop Conner in the game. The fans have been begging for it. The media have been asking the questions. Snoop Conner had a big day.
3: Yeah, you know, it, 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 they they were forced to play sort of a, a power running game, and it worked really, really well. You know, the runs up the middle were extremely good. You know, Snoop, you know, he I think he was averaging like nine yards a carry, and that'll definitely, you know, having a rush of 51 yards, another 34 for a touchdown will help that. But he was explosive, and yeah, I don't know. He just kind of has an attitude to him just in terms of being a bulldozer. And Him and Henry Parrish are just a really nice compliment because Parrish can – you know he, he can put his shoulder down but he's also really explosive it was um it was i think all those fans who were asking for snoop uh you know felt a little bit uh you know i, I think they, they they were happy that you know to an extent that they're you know it was kind of justified because you know every time he's been out there he's been really good it's just he hasn't had a ton of opportunities and he made the most of it this time he's you know i i there are not many teams that could withstand losing a player like Jerry Neely, and the fact that Ole Miss still ran for more than 300 yards and had 200-yard rushers is really just a testament to the depth that they have at that position. It's, it's, it's pretty spectacular
2: what they have a running back. Michael Katz covers uh, the Ole Miss Rebels for the Daily Journal. Be sure and follow him on Twitter. That's at Michael Katz K-A-T-Z. Michael, before we get away from the offense real quickly, Good piece on Matt Corral. You and I kind of went back and forth on that. It's been it's been shared on uh, on social media, and I include social media and not just Twitter because uh, I've actually talked to some family members that have seen this thing circulating on some some uh, fan boards on Facebook. So it's getting a lot of traction. Kind of walk us through what in, what went into that story because that was a lot of detail in that.
3: So it, it's funny when, when I when I took the job a, a couple of months ago, I I, I kind of had in the back of my mind I, I kind of wanted to tell the Matt Corral story, and um, I, I've always had a little bit of an interesting you know background and context with him because I'm from Southern California as well. I remember his recruitment, I remember hearing the rumors and the stories, right? And there were just all of these things that were saying he's a loose cannon and, you know, he, you know, he's sketch and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And and I was, I was speaking with uh, uh, a a gentleman uh, a couple days ago on uh, Ryan McGee from ESPN. He was, he was, he was helping me with a story and he, he told me, he was like, yeah, you know, I, I believe his words were like, you know, I, I kind of assumed that like Matt Corral was a punk and like, I think everybody kind of did um, just because he's always had this sort of reputation that, um, has preceded him and so I really kind of wanted to find out you know who Matt is because we you know we we only get Matt a, a few times a week if we're lucky and it's you know for a couple minutes and it's never anything particularly you know uh, uh, deep and you know, it's kind of part of the game and so what you got to do is find the people who can tell the story best and I was able to you know use some of my California connections to, to get in touch with his high school coach from Oaks Christian and uh, was was able to get in touch with his mom, which I was extremely grateful for. And you know, uh, um, I kind of approached it from this, the idea that you know Matt has always kind of battled a, a perception issue. Tell me who he really is and, and what his story is. And um, you know, I was really fortunate that you know people were were willing to kind of share that it has it has been tough for Matt. He's had a, a tough you know few years, starting for when he had to leave high schools because of a you know, a, 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 a something that TMZ called the fight. And TMZ wrote about Matt Corral. Like, that's crazy that a high school kid, you know, is going through that. And, um, you know, he, he went through a lot and he's had things kind of follow him wherever he went. You know, when he was here, you know, when he tried to, you know, when he got in that confrontation with Mississippi State players, it was just like, it was more of the same. It was, he's a loose cannon. And it was just, it was really cool to sort of talk to people and, and get an idea of who Matt really is. And, and how you know he is—he is a different guy. He he's not the clean-cut, all-American-looking quarterback that's you know that sits there and nods and, and does that. He's his own guy, and, and that's kind of what makes him special. So it, it was really cool to be able to, to talk to people who could you know, really kind of help give me a, a, a look at who Matt really is.
2: Yeah, and if you get a chance, go to at DjournalNow now or DailyJournal.com, and uh, while you're there, go go ahead and subscribe to the Daily Journal. Uh, Michael does a fantastic job and if you're wondering they do have beat reporters that go to the games <laughs> and Michael's there he's at every press conference so a uh, great follow there let's stay along that offense just for a moment Michael I didn't you know really until I got home and kind of started uh, dissecting the game in my head and that sort of thing I looked down at the box score and Ole Miss did not have one receiver over that had more than two catches. I don't know if you had a chance to see that. That was fascinating to me. The way that I didn't uh, the, wow. I mean, the way that Corral dispersed the ball, and I won't go through the list, but anywhere from Braylon Sanders down to Snoop Connor, everyone had either two catches or one catches or one catch for 287 yards. Fascinating. Braylon Sanders led the yardage with 127 because he had the bomb. And for the one touchdown, it was. It's just fascinating to me that, that that he was able to disperse the ball that much in that wide receiver room. You've seen these wide receivers kind of adapt a little bit throughout the year. Who's kind of doing the best job of of filling in for Elijah Morris now that Mingo is injured for this team?
3: You know, if if you would ask me before last week, it was pretty easily Dontario Drummond um, because he had been the the consistent one over the first you know, four games the season, but, you know, he didn't have his best game uh, against Arkansas and, you know, Brandon Sanders was somebody that, you know, Lane Kiffin had mentioned as, you know, a guy with first round talent and, uh, you know, he just hadn't, you know, he just hadn't, you know, had his big game yet because teams were, were guarding against his speed and, you know, we, we, I think we finally saw like what everybody's been talking about and, Uh, You know, I I don't want to take like the easy way out of this, but I I don't know if there really is like an answer for who's been the best filling in because it's just like every day can be somebody different. and I think that's what makes that group so special. You know, before the season, they they were saying, you know, all the right things in terms of like, yeah, you know, it's hard. We can't replace Elijah, but we feel like we have the best receiver room in the country. You know, you expect, uh, you know, a group to say that, but. Like, they have a point. They are really deep, and on any given day, it, it can be any one of a number of different guys. Um, you know, on a day where Ontario didn't do a ton, Braylon Sanders was an absolute game-breaker. Uh, there's just—there's so much talent in that room, and, uh, you know, we even got to see a little John Rice Plumley, which I know always makes fans a little bit happy. Uh, there's, there's just so many different guys that, that they can use in so many different ways. Um, it's a testament to the recruiting. It's a testament to the system as well.
2: This Ole Miss-Arkansas series is just stupid. This game Saturday was just insanely stupid and entertaining. Is the Ole Miss defense – was it just an insanely stupid game or is this defense just really, really bad or is it a combination of the two?
3: So I've been thinking about that uh, a lot today, actually. Um, like, is it as bad as I think it is? And I'll put it this way. I, I, I don't think it's as good as – You know, maybe we thought it was after the Louisville game, Mm -hmm. because I think we all got really excited after the Louisville game, just in terms of, you know, they were playing a a power five team and they looked really good and at times dominant. And then, you know, Tulane and Austin P happened and, you know, those games kind of went as as I think people kind of expected. And Alabama happened and, you know, nobody really takes a ton out of Alabama games because they tend to beat people up uh, unless, you know, you're Texas Uh A&M. But... You know, I, I I know one of the kind of talking points I remember in the press box was people being like, "This looks like last year's defense again." You know, the one yeah. that gave up like forty points a game, and um, you know, I, I Lane addressed it a little bit today in, in terms of, you know, Arkansas did kind of what Ole Miss does. They went really fast and they played with tempo and they tired Ole Miss out and Ole Miss doesn't have really the luxury of playing a ton of guys. Uh, you know, they have a guy, a lot of guys playing a lot of snaps and uh, you know, I, I, you could tell like, you know, like kind of like you said, like that first half, it was actually kind of like a normal game. And then like that fourth quarter, there were like 41 points scored between yeah. the two teams. And it was just really apparent that everybody on defense was tired and that it was just basically like, a, you know, it was like a, it was like a recess game. Everybody's just running open. And, So, I I guess I I don't know if I'd say the defense is as bad as it looked. Listen, you know, Lakia Henry, I know he said that this is going to be the best defense in the country. I feel pretty confident saying he's probably not correct Mm -hmm. uh, on that one. But I, I, I do think it is better than what we saw against Arkansas. I just think it was, you know, one, that game is always insane. And two, it was basically Ole Miss playing against the Ole Miss offense. Uh, just in terms of tempo and everything, it was kind of the perfect storm of of things to to make the defense look uh, you know pretty bad. I do. I think the defense has work to do. Absolutely. I don't know if the three two six is you know really conducive to stopping the run. I know a lot of people have been talking about that and, and if if it can really be a long term thing. But um, I, I I do think it's better than what we saw against arkansas but i i i think tennessee is gonna be really tough too i think it's anybody who is not sold on the defense in the scheme i think might have another week to be talking about it because i think tennessee is going to do a lot of the same things that arkansas did in terms of tempo it's i i i don't think that ole miss's defense is is quite as you know i don't think it's a 51 point game you know defense kind you know bad kind of defense but there's certainly some work to do and I think that there's going to be more SEC teams that are going to exploit it. And, you know, Tennessee's next up on the list.
2: If you look at uh, at the end of the game, I know you saw, at least you probably, at least you heard anyway, of the interview with Katie George of ESPN at the end of the game where Lane Kiffin said, quote, we played the worst defense physically possible and we're still in the game, end quote. I have no doubt that DJ Durkin heard that quote and heard that, what he said. In your opinion, obviously we're not in the room, but how is the conversation, do you think, between Lane Kiffin and DJ Durkin and, and how can Durkin, you know, at least have this defense be competitive down the stretch, in your opinion?
3: And that's that's kind of the crazy thing, right? Is is that this is the defense they switched to. Like this was the solution from last year's problems. And there were a lot of times this past weekend where it looked the 2021 and so i i i I don't i don't know if 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 it really gets you know quote unquote fixed during the season i think part of it is personnel and and being you know thin death wise and uh you know i i don't i don't you know i'm not a coach i'm not in those meetings i'm not uh i'm never gonna pretend i have the acumen that you know any of these guys have but you know it it, you know it, it came up today in the press conference of, you know, well, you know, is, is, you know, and it came up in the post game too, is, you know, is the three, two, six really the best way to, to kind of, to put pressure and, you know, stop the run. And, you know, Lane even admitted after the game, like, well, you know, maybe it is a schematic thing because, you know, Arkansas runs the same defense and both teams ran for 300 yards. So clearly, you know, it was kind of the first time Lane really said, like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe uh, some of the luster was was coming off in the three two six. I I, I don't know what you do because you know you already made the wholesale change. That was what you did in the off season. I don't know if you can you know go back to what you did. You know, as Lane said today, well, you saw what we did last year, and that didn't really work either. And so I don't know what, what has to. I don't. I don't. I, I'm really. I'm. It's it's going to be fascinating to see how that sort of relationship goes going forward yeah. because. You know, coaches have a lot of pride, and they do hear everything. Uh, they know, uh, you know, what what is said at, at press conferences and in, in interviews. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just I, – I don't think it gets solved overnight. I think this defense kind of is what it is. Like I said, I think it's better than 51 points. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what the solution is. Is it maybe switching things up more? Probably. But, you know, like like I said, like the, the wholesale change has already been made. I don't think they can do it, you know, five games, five, six games in. I think it's I think they're just going to kind of have to kind of wing it at this point and just kind of go with what they have. And, uh, you know, maybe play more guys. I know that's something that Lane has brought up and, um, you know, just kind of. Be really thankful that they have the best quarterback in the country. That's going to keep them in every game. It's, yeah. it's going to make the defense. It's going to make the, the the critique of the defense a little bit easier to take when you know you're giving up fifty one, but at least you scored fifty two.
2: Yeah, that was my point. You know, you pointed out earlier that uh, you know giving up fifty one points the good news if you're an Ole Miss fan is that you can go to practice this week knowing your team won because they scored one point more. It's always easier to prepare for the next game coming off a win rather than a loss. So This Rebel team is four and one, one and one in the conference, and they get a Tennessee team that's kind of switched up quarterbacks a little bit. Uh, Hendon Hooker played six games this year. He's 78 of 112. He's got one interception, but 13 touchdowns, and this Tennessee team is going to throw it all over the field. Josh Heupel and this Tennessee team, uh, his head coach, has scored more points now than I think they scored the entire season. Tennessee's going to have a checkerboard, end zone checkerboard stadium. Danny White, the athletic director, is coming out and circling the wagons. This is a Vol Twitter explosion if you're a fan of social media. Ole Miss again walking into a bus saw in Neyland Stadium. I think it's gonna be really, really difficult for Ole Miss. A night game is gonna be insane in Knoxville on Saturday.
3: I agree, and I, I think I saw the stat today that Ole Miss is five and twenty-five all time uh yes. in in Knoxville, which, yeah. you know, doesn't inspire a ton of confidence and I know every year is different, but you know, it, it it's just a it's you know, Ole Miss played this really emotional game this week and you hate to talk about the hangover thing, but you know, I, and, and I don't know if that would necessarily be, you know, the deciding factor. But I think more important is that Tennessee is averaging forty six and a half points per game, or whatever it is. And you know, they are they're going to do things similarly to what Arkansas did in terms of, of pace and tempo. And that's clearly that clearly is something Ole Miss does not deal with very well. And so, uh, you know, playing in Knoxville is is going to be tough. History is not on their side. Again, I think Matt Corral is going to keep them in pretty much any game but uh i i think it's a sneaky tough matchup i think the spread is three right now and that honestly feels about yeah. right you know if you had said if you had said that like three weeks ago i would have said you know Ole Miss by a lot but tennessee has really kind of improved a lot over over the last few weeks and you know josh heupel you know obviously he has a history as, as a as an offensive guy with what he did at, at central florida and whatnot and it's pretty crazy how quickly he's gotten that offense going, uh, Tennessee. Because they were, I mean, they were atrocious to watch uh, offensively the last few years, and uh, you know they are—they're a buzzsaw right now. I, I, I think it's going to be a really, really good game, and it, it's going to be a tough one for Ole Miss to, to get past.
2: And you look at Tennessee's schedule, and Michael—they really haven't beaten anyone. Uh, they beat Bowling Green, uh, they beat Tennessee Tech. They beat Missouri, and then they've beaten South Carolina. Now, they did look pretty good the last couple of weeks. I think that's probably more of an indicator of, of why Ole Miss should fear them more than the, the normal, you know, wins because, you know, 62-24 to over Missouri, 45-20 to in which that game was not close at all. I think at one point it was 38 or so to nothing, so uh, South Carolina kind of came back there in the end, and then, of course, Tennessee has Alabama on deck uh, after Ole Miss, so Uh, It's an opportunity for Ole Miss, but I've always thought it would be a difficult, difficult road for Ole Miss to go to Tennessee because if you look at the Rebels' schedule, after that it's pretty difficult. LSU, which we have no idea what's going on now. That game was announced as a CBS game. It'll be a packed crowd in Oxford for 2.30 uh, LSU. The Rebels never play well at Auburn. Uh, That's coming up after LSU. And then you've got the Liberty Flames and Hugh Freeze comes back. It's almost like, Michael, the Rebels are sitting at 4-1. and one. If they can somehow win two out of the next four, uh, that gives you a chance with Texas A&M, Vandy, and Mississippi State down the stretch, an opportunity to have a big year. But once again, coming into the year, if Ole Miss was going to get to nine, ten wins, you had to win at Tennessee. I think that's how it kind of stands right now. You've got to win this game if you want to have that special season.
3: Absolutely. You know, this, this, this feels like if Ole Miss is going to be the team that a lot of people thought they were going to be, they have to win this game. Um, it's not to say that they can't have a good season if they don't, but right. if they want to have the, you know, quote unquote special year, they have to win a game like this where really a lot of things are going against them.
2: Injury wise, you know, we've talked um, about the offensive front, you know, Caleb, Caleb Warren, did I say that correctly? um, um Caleb, uh, the the left guard, the starting left guard that was injured, and we saw Rhodes come in and start and played really well. I thought the offensive front, specifically uh, the offensive tackles, Jeremy James and Nick Brooker, had the best games they've had as Rebels, and I think they played really well along with Orlando Umana and Ben Brown. Probably, in my opinion, one of the better games of the year. That offensive front played really well. I think that's important going forward, specifically into the Tennessee game.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you know, they they have taken a little bit of flack, especially after you know the Alabama game where Lane said you know they they got, they got dominated up front on on both sides, and you know there was that whole thing after the, I think it was the Austin P game where Pro Football Focus said uh, Ole Miss had a great offensive line, and Lane was like, yeah, well they yeah. don't watch film, we're not that good, blah blah blah, and so I, you you kind of get the feeling like mm, there's always been this desire for more from the offensive line, and this was really the first time where you really said like that was a really dominant effort against a very good arkansas defense uh that for the most part had had been pretty awesome uh during the year and, and i think that that offensive line uh going on the road uh you know the best thing you can do is is run it is run it down their throats and 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 i think that um you know i think you know they always want to run the ball that's what lane kiffin teams do like he's he's pointed out that there's this misconception that you know they throw all the time but you know there's a reason they're running for you know 300 yards. Uh, it, it, it's what they want to do, and you know if they can do that, it, it takes life out of the stadium. It, it tires defenses, and it keeps the defense on the field. I, I really think the offensive line is going to be key. Not to mention, you know, keeping Matt, you know, standing up straight and, and having you know avoiding the you know him taking the big hit. Uh, I, I this this was their best game, and I think they're going to have to play as well on the road uh, in Knoxville.
2: Rebels and Volunteers six thirty on the SEC Network. They'll get Tom Hart, Cole Kublik, and Jordan Rogers, a really good crew for the SEC Network. And uh, the Rebels at that point, they've got a difficult schedule going forward. They'll have to win in Knoxville if they're going to have that special season. He's Michael Katz. Uh, be sure and follow Michael. That's at Michael L Katz K A T Z. He'll be in Knoxville covering the game for the Daily Journal. That's at Djournal now, and uh, on Twitter. And they do a phenomenal job. And be sure and uh, follow Michael and D Journal. Now the Daily Journal, they'll have all of the coverage from uh, Knoxville. And if you're a Rebel fan, you hope they come away with a win because at that point the Rebels would be, Michael, 2-1 and one in the conference and 5-1 and one overall hosting LSU. And you don't think that Vaught Hemingway will be rocking a week from Saturday if that happens. So the Rebels are hoping to get a win, a very difficult one, uh, albeit in uh, Knoxville Tennessee Michael thanks very much for jumping onto the show we look forward to continuing your coverage and uh, hopefully you'll be a part of the show again in the future
3: thanks Ben thanks for having me